Well, why don't we, why don't we get started? Um, let's, let's pray first. Uh, Father, we do thank you for this morning. Just thank you for bringing us together as your people. And we just ask that you would guide us this morning as we uh, look at this uh, confession of faith that, that our church falls under. And we just ask that you would give us wisdom and guidance as we read through these things and try to understand them ourselves and uh, know what it is that we believe and why we believe it. Um, and so we need your help. We need your Holy Spirit to come to us and to speak to us this morning. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Did you guys remember to bring these again? Yeah. Does anybody not have it? You don't? Here, I can. Yeah, so we have been going through this uh, New Hampshire Confession of Faith, um, and well, I guess last week we started out talking about the, the church history, our church history, and then um, jumped in this confession towards the end, and we got all the way through section three, <laughs> and yeah, and we got to go all the way to, how many sections are there? Looks like uh, 18. Uh, so we'll we'll see what we can get done today. Um, too rich, yeah. And if we need to drag this out more weeks, I guess we'll do that. Um, but steady as we go. So we'll start. We'll start with number four today. Uh, number four says of the way of salvation. It says we believe that the salvation of sinners is holy of grace through the mediatorial offices of the Son of God, who by the appointment of the Father freely took upon him our nature, yet without sin honored the divine law by his personal obedience and by his death made a full atonement for our sins, that having risen from the dead, he is now enthroned in heaven and united in his wonderful person the tenderest sympathies with divine perfections. He is every way qualified to be a suitable, and a suitable, a compassionate, and a all-sufficient Savior. Amen. Yeah, amen. So basically what this is saying is that we're saved by grace through Jesus Christ, right? Um, that is nothing that we do of our own, um, but it's through the work of Jesus Christ. And, and did you guys notice what the work of Jesus Christ is in this? Yeah, but like there's there's really four elements to what he did that we see here. Maybe five elements. One, one he, he took upon flesh, right? So God became man. Um, and as a man, he lived a sinless life. And so that's part of our, our saving grace is through his righteousness earned for us. Does that make sense? Uh, and then his death, right? He died for our sins. Uh, and so the punishment that we deserve was placed upon him. And then victory, right? Victory in his resurrection. And so we receive eternal life through his victory, through his resurrection. Uh, and then we also see that he, he, what does it say? He's enthroned in heaven, so he's also ruling now. Um, and so in the book of Acts, what we see at the beginning, Jesus ascended into heaven, right? Um, and so he has taken his throne. Um, and so this is kind of what we see is these are the elements of the gospel, right? That Jesus became a man, lived a perfect life, he died for our sins, he rose from the dead, he's now ruling from heaven above. Um, 
And so these are the things that when we're communicating the gospel to other people, we should keep those five things in mind. Um, the other thing that I think is unique about this, and I, I think the way they worded this is pretty cool, uh, it says at the end, and uniting in his wonderful person the tenderest sympathies with divine perfections. Um, and so we see Jesus is still both fully God and fully man, even as we speak. You guys ever think about that? Yeah. Yeah, we tend to think of him being, being fully man, fully God in his ministry here, in his death. Um, but he's still fully man, fully God. Um, and so he is, uh, in that way, he can be still the perfect mediator for us. And he identifies, that's when I really see him as human, mm -hmm. is because he, he understands our suffering, because he yeah. entered in, and so therefore, where he reigns today, he's not off at a distance, he's still identifying with human blood. Yeah. Amazing. It's amazing, isn't it? It is. Yeah. 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 In all ways, like us, he was tempted, and yet didn't submit. Yeah. I never really thought of that, but uh, that means that there would have been a fundamental change when he came to the world then, because at the at, in the beginning, he wouldn't yet have been fully human and fully man. Is that correct? Uh, I think just conceptually. But... It, in the, yeah, in the beginning, he, he did not have flesh. God is spirit. But when he came, then he took on our nature. Yeah, he took upon our nature. Which is yeah. kind of something to think about, that God actually, you know, that person changed, you know, like, yeah. well, anyway. Um, yeah. Just saying that song. Yeah. Any other thoughts or questions on this before we move on to number five? All right, number five, of justification. We believe that the great gospel blessing which Christ secures to such as believe in him is justification. That justification includes the pardon of sin and the promise of eternal life on principles of righteousness. That it is bestowed not in consideration of any works of righteousness which we have done, but solely through faith in the Redeemer's blood, by virtue of which faith, by virtue of which faith, his per perfect righteousness is freely imputed to us of God, that it brings us into a state of most blessed peace and favor with God, and secures every other blessing needful for time and eternity. And so, justification. What this is basically saying is that. Through Jesus, we are, when we have faith in him, we are now justified in God's sight. Um, we are seen as righteous. We are imputed with Christ's righteousness. Does that make sense? The, what about the word imputed? Does that, you guys know what that means? Transferred. Transferred, placed upon. Yeah. Any thoughts or questions on justification? There has to be a belief in it. There has to be a belief. It, yep. It was. It took place, but it does take place. Yep. When it's bestowed, it's given. Yeah. It's a gift. Yeah. So. Uh, if you turn to Romans, look at Romans chapter 5.
verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the, of the glory of God. And so we, we see that justification comes by faith. Um, so it's not by works that we do, but by believing, by trusting in Jesus. Any other thoughts or questions on justification? And favor, yeah. Before the Lord God Almighty. Yeah. It kind of reminds you of some of the Old Testament saints, right, who found favor with God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's worth everything that's needful for both time and eternity. Mm-hmm. So now and forevermore. Yeah. All encompassing. All encompassing, yep. All right, let's look at number six of the freeness of salvation. We believe that the blessings of salvation are made free to all by the gospel, that it is the immediate duty of all to accept them by a cordial, penitent, and obedient faith, and that nothing prevents the salvation of the greatest sinner on earth but his own inherent inherent depravity and voluntary rejection of the gospel, which rejection involves him in an aggravated condemnation. And so basically what this is saying is that salvation is available to all people, right? That it doesn't matter how great the sinner is, salvation is available to each and every one of us. You know, whether you're uh, a good Samaritan or whether you're Adolf Hitler, right? Um, Salvation is there available. Um, And it kind of talks about the rejection of salvation in this one as well, doesn't it? Um, it? It says that, you know, nothing prevents the salvation of the greatest sinner, but his own inherent depravity and voluntary rejection of the gospel. And so those who reject Christ, they, they do so of their own choosing. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's, it's our nature, right? Exactly. Yeah. I like that word cordial. That's cordial? Word. Yeah, we don't use that word much anymore, do we? No, but it's a sweetness. There's a sweetness mm-hmm. in cordial. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a, it's, it's, it's just a, you can't really describe cordial other than it's a, it portrays a sweetness. Yeah. Blessedness. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's many words in our English language that we should bring back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cordial being one of them. Cordial, not, yeah. If you're cordial to one another, mm-hmm. you're genteel, you're, yeah. you know, you're gentle and kind and cordial. Yeah. You even bow. A cordial mm-hmm. gesture is to bow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a, a caring for one another, a respect for one another. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts or questions on the freeness of salvation? All right, let's move on to the next one. Of grace in regeneration. We believe that in order to be saved, sinners must be regenerated or born again, that regeneration consists in giving a holy disposition to the mind, that it is effected in a manner above our comprehension by the power of the Holy Spirit, in connection with divine truth, so as to secure our voluntary obedience to the gospel, 
and that its proper evidence appears in the holy fruits of repentance and faith and newness of life. Yeah, that's a mouthful, right? (laughs) Um, But basically what this is communicating to us is that in order for us to accept the, the message of salvation, we need to be regenerated within. Um, do you guys know what that means when I say regenerated? Brought to life, for sure. Brought to life, yeah. Um, yeah. I think of winter and how it just, there's no life. And then all of a sudden comes spring and there's a regeneration. A regeneration, yeah, every spring. Yeah, yeah. after the snow melts and you see all the barren trees and then you're like, when, when are they going to sprout? And then suddenly these buds start, start popping popping out um, and life starts coming again again. yeah yeah and so you could also think in the old testament uh, how uh, the prophets talked about turning hearts of stone into hearts of flesh Um, and so this is the work that the holy spirit does right the holy spirit will regenerate a person and change them from within, giving them this disposition to believe and to have faith in Jesus. Does that make sense? It's interesting that it says it secures our voluntary obedience to the gospel. Yeah. It's interesting wording there, isn't it? It is. Voluntary obedience to the gospel. Yeah. That's where Paul was. Yeah. He was involuntarily disobedient to the gospel. Yeah. In a way, and then he became voluntarily. He submitted. Yeah, he he fully submitted because he was regenerated. Um, And and basically, what this does is it turns our affections. Right. Right. The Holy Spirit he turns our affections towards Christ. Um, And so beforehand, Paul. He, he was against Christ. Mm-hmm. He couldn't stand Christ. And when Christ came to him, spoke to him, uh, the Holy Spirit worked in Paul's heart, regenerated his heart, and he became obedient voluntarily right. to Jesus Christ. Um, Wherein is that born again? Yeah. New nature. Yeah. I think of Romans 12, 1 and 2. Uh-huh. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Let's look at that. Yeah. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your minds, that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Um, and, and so there's this renewal of the mind that we need, right? Any other thoughts or questions on this? It is a renewal of the mind. It is that our bodies yeah. are renewed. It's that the mind is renewed. Yeah. The part that we struggle with as humans, especially as Americans, is that um, that that I'm really dead in my sin and I want nothing to do with God. This helps us to see that and understand that, and calls into scripture to help us to account for when we're dead in our transgressions. Mm-hmm. We want nothing to do with Him. We're doing what we want to do that has nothing to do with God until God changes us. Yeah. So, so I think that that's key, and that, that that's one of the key principles in this one. Helping us to understand that salvation is from God. Yeah. Um, if it's a work that I do, that means I can undo it. Yep. Uh, so again, that's, that's another one of those clear, clear things that we want to make sure that we understand as a church is that salvation comes from God. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so again, it it's the way God saves people. Um, the way He regenerates people, He He works within us, 
and changes us from the inside first. And, and Jesus even uses illustrations like this um, when, when he talks about, you know, you, you wash the outside of the bowls, but the inside is filthy. Um, clean the inside first. Um, he, he talks about that with the Pharisees, right? And Because um, outwardly, outwardly they looked the part. Yet inwardly they were, they were wicked to the core. Um, and Jesus says, you know, <laughs> you're eating in dirty bowls. Um, they look clean on the outside, but inside is filthy. Um, clean the inside. Uh, and this is what God does. He, he cleans our inside. Um, yeah. 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 He had an idol in his life that he couldn't give up, his wealth. And when Jesus challenged him to that, he walked away sorrowful. Yeah. Um, yeah, Bobby. I just want to bring up the point that. You know, it says that in order to be saved, you must be regenerated or born again. And then it goes on again to say, um, it's above our comprehension. Mm-hmm. So, like what Jay was pointing to, like it, this is opposite of the idea of free will, right? Like it's you can't just choose to be saved, or you can't like there's. Uh, there's even a song that says, I have decided to follow Jesus. Yeah. Well, you decided to because he told you to. Yeah. <laughs> so, and it says that even here, you know, to secure our voluntary obedience, he's the one that gave us that. Yeah. So that, I think for us and, you know, this teaching that we're doing right now with new members is really to understand that this is what we believe. We don't believe in free will. We don't believe that it's of our choice or that you can say a prayer um, to be saved. Yeah, yeah. And let me just throw a caveat to that. We, we don't believe in free will to the extent that we can choose our own salvation. Right. Um, we believe in free will that we can choose to sin. Um, <laughs> we believe in free will. And thus we're fully responsible. Yeah, and thus we're fully responsible. Okay. Yeah. Um, but with, when it comes to salvation, it is only through the working of the Holy Spirit and him regenerating us from within that then can we choose God, um, if that makes sense. Divine intervention. Divine intervention, yeah. And so, yeah, the effectual calling, yeah. And so this is, this is God working within us, changing us from within so that our desires are towards him instead of towards ourselves or towards the world, towards these false gods that we worship. Does that make sense? That's why it says it's above our country. It's above our country. Yes, it is. Yeah. So yeah. is that, I don't know if this is the right time to ask, but just mm-hmm. branching off what Bobby said, is, do you believe there's a point of salvation? or? Yeah. How, I mean, how does that fit with... Yeah, I mean, there, there definitely is a point of salvation. Um, the, the point of salvation is when the Holy Spirit changes us. Um, I don't know when that is. I don't think if we can necessarily pinpoint that in our own lives. Um, you know, maybe. I mean, Paul pinpoints it at least to the day when Jesus displayed himself to him. Um, well, something to add, too, is like... There could be a moment in your life where you turn to Christ and then you start worshiping him and you want to learn more about him. And those things from our perspective seem like it's our doing, right? And so that's where it's above our comprehension. Yeah. I know the moment where my life was at rock bottom and I had been running away and living a life for Bobby forever. Mm-hmm. And then he grabbed a hold of me and said, you're not going to do that anymore. But it wasn't me saying, I want to not do that anymore, because I still wanted to do that. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's where it's above our comprehension. Right? Mm-hmm. And it, like, but back to what Jay said, if we believe that salvation is of our own due, then that's pretty weak. Yeah, right? And, and then we could also undo it as well. Yeah. For me, it was when all was dark 
there was no light mm-hmm. and in that there was no hope. And then by grace, light came. With it came hope. And new life was born. Yeah. And there was a change in thought life and affections. There was a time in my history and my living that I know when I was redeemed out of darkness. That may not be the case for yeah, and I think it's going to be different with every single person. Some people are going to have that dramatic, you know, road to Damascus moment like Paul did. Other people, it's going to be a more gradual process from their own understanding of how Christ came to them. Um, but I think with every single person, there definitely is one moment where the Holy Spirit comes and says, I'm rescuing this person. Um, and we don't always know exactly when that moment is. You know, I, I look upon my own salvation. I don't, I can't pinpoint one point. Um, I, I know it was when I was a teenager when God started turning my heart and I started reading scripture for the first time and started, uh, understanding who Jesus was. But I don't know if there was that aha moment. It's like, okay, now I get it. Um, but there was definitely a journey there that God was taking me through. Um, and so was the Holy Spirit there right at the beginning of that journey? Maybe. I don't know. It's you know? like Paul says, you know, there's, there's this sprout, and then there's an ear, and then there's the corn mm-hmm. in the ear. So it's a gradual process of unveiling. Yeah. And then at the moment of Well, God, you know, he predestines those whom he calls, right? right? Okay. Um, No, I understand that. So then the next question is, why is it that we pray for people to get saved when they're predestinated? Well, one, yeah, we are commanded to. But I I think, too, one thing we don't fully understand is the means that God uses to bring salvation to people. And, And so... We could ask the question, well, why even share the gospel with anyone if God's already predestined this person? Well, it's because God has predestined this person through a certain means. And part of that means is you sharing the gospel with them. Part of the means is you praying for that person. Um, and and so does it fully make sense? No. <laughs> um, but But God, you know, he has a wisdom that's higher than ours. And so it's, it is, it's, it's a good question, though, um, because it, it, it delves into the nature of God. It delves into the nature of man. Um, and when we ask questions like that, it helps us to really solidify what it is that we believe. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, so thinking about that, when David's writing the Psalms, thinking about also uh, those whom God called, he predestined, as Wayne kind of just mentioned a moment ago, thinking about what Paul writing in Romans said. But we know that 2,000 years ago, Christ came in, and that's when he saved us. Yeah. So thinking about the time when, mm-hmm. when that salvation actually took place was then. It was for those prior to him and those in the future. So yeah. Uh, again, I'm not trying to minimize the question by any means in thinking that because it, it does help me to think about when I was seven years old, that's when I professed Christ. So, so there's, a, there, there's that profession that we think about when, when we call that my moment of salvation or we think through something along those lines. 
And those are good things for us to hold on to. Yeah. Because if I know what my profession holds, I know that God is the one who's going to keep me then going forward too. So, so I think yeah. that those are really good things to hold on to. Um, yeah. But again, holding, holding fast to what Scripture says about those things helps those things to, to make sense. Yeah, and, and I, I think that's a really good point. If you think about like a marriage, right? You, you want to remember your wedding day. I hope you do if you're married. Um, you know, and it's, it's a reminder of the covenant that you've made with this other person, with your spouse. Um, and similarly, we should remind ourselves of our own salvation um, because it's, we are entering into a new covenant with God, right? Um, and God has come and rescued us and ha- has freely given us to, given to us his salvation. And so, um, yeah, if, if you had that aha moment, cling on to that for sure. If it's a more of a gradual process, cling on to that because um, you, you just see the working of God in your life and it, it can bring to you confidence and assurance um, that God has called you to himself. Does that make sense? It's like looking at the big picture. You know, if I reflect on how my life was 20 years ago, where you see yeah. a kid who, you know, oh, I saw you last time you were a baby and you're a teenager. There's a lot of change there. Yeah. You know, and, and I think reflection is part of that. You know, if you had that aha moment, look back at what your life was doing at that time. And, you know, yeah. See where you're at now. Yeah. See, I, like Jay, went forward at five points when I was seven. Mm-hmm. And then it wasn't until I was 36 that I comprehended what was sealed in my heart at age seven. Yeah. And between age seven and 36, a lot of ugly life had transpired. Mm-hmm. But the sealing of knowing what I had heard at seven and the protection for the day when I turned 36. Yeah. It, it all became real at that point by grace. Yeah, what, what's interesting about that, that even hits into what was written in, in our confession. Like if midway through it says, by the power of the Holy Spirit in connection with divine truth. And so salvation is work, a working of the Holy Spirit in connection with God's word. Um, does that make sense to you guys? And so when, when you're seven years old and you're hearing these truths, those are little seeds that have been planted inside you um, that came to fruition later in your life. Um, and this is why I think it's so important to have our children in church, right? Um, we are planting these little seeds, and even if they don't sprout till they're 25 or 30, um, you know, it's they're there. They're not going to go away. God's God's word does not go out void, right? Um, and uh, yeah. Well, let's let's keep moving forward. Otherwise, we're never going to get through all this. Um, number eight of repentance and faith. We believe that repentance and faith are sacred du- sacred duties and also inseparable graces wrought in our souls by the regenerating Spirit of God, whereby being deeply convinced of our guilt, danger, and helplessness, and of the way of salvation by Christ, we turn to God with unfeigned contrition, confession, and supplication for mercy. At the same time, heartily receiving the Lord Jesus Christ as our prophet, priest, king, prophet, priest, and king, and relying on him alone as the only one, as the only and all sufficient savior. Yeah, a lot there too, right? Um, And basically this is saying that the, the two duties on our part are repentance and faith, right? Um, or the calling that God brings us to is repentance and faith. And do you guys know what repentance and faith are? What? Turning a 180 from sin. So repentance, we, we, uh, a lot of times we'll use a description how we're walking one way in life away from God, and then we turn around and we start walking towards God. 
Um, that, that could be an idea of repentance. Um, the, the, the Greek word uh, metanoia is what we translate today as repentance. It, it actually means to change one's mind, to change one's thinking. Um, is there a confession that goes with that? That you confess to Christ that... There can be, like, like a... When, when you... Yeah, it's it's really it doesn't have to be an out loud confession. Um, it, it's really this is all part of the Holy Spirit regenerating us, right? Mm-hmm. He he produces within us both repentance and faith. Um, and so here here's what I where I think we can go awry is we can tend to think well we need to say a prayer, the believer's prayer. Or we need to come forward on an altar call. Uh, that's not necessarily the case. Um, those things are, I'm not going to say that they're, they're not good. I mean, they can be used by God, um, but they're not necessary. Um, what is necessary is true repentance and true faith. Um, and so, you know, uh, a lot of times in America, we are moved by our emotions, and there can be an emotionalism that occurs in someone's life that isn't true repentance, that isn't true faith. And so you can, you know, go go to, you know, some of the old Billy Graham crusades, right? And thousands of people would pour forward. Uh, and a lot of them would be true, genuine salvations, but some of them would not. Um, and it was just people caught up in the emotion of it, and they, they come forward, yet their, their hearts weren't really changed. Um, they, they were kind of moved by the powerful message that Billy Graham spoke, um, but they really didn't truly want to change their lives or truly desire God. Um, There's a fear factor, too, that you don't want to go to hell, and you hear a message that if you don't do this, you will go to hell. Yeah. And so there's a fear factor that motivates yeah. um, quote-unquote belief yeah. temporarily like the seeds on the soils. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, Je- Jesus gives that parable of the, the sower with the seeds and the different soils. Yeah. Um, but, but what's being communicated here is that, you know, what, what's, you know, the sacred duties for us are repentance and faith. Um, and so repentance is that changing of one's mind, and it's really a changing of mind towards both sin and unbelief. Um, and, and so it's, you know, I don't believe in God. Well, I'm going to change my mind. I do believe in God. I don't want to follow God's ways. Oh, I'm going to change my mind. I do want to follow God's ways. Um, and then faith is simply trust, right? It's belief. And so, you know, we put faith in things all the time today, right? You know, I, uh, when you guys sat down in those pews, you, you had faith that they would support the, your weight. Um, when you... Uh, put the key in the ignition and turn it, you have faith that your car will start up. Hopefully, right? <laughs> you know, some cold, cold mornings, maybe maybe you're praying. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, and, and so we, we put faith in a lot of things, um, but what, for salvation, we need to put our faith in Christ and not in ourselves, and this is, this is everything that we've been talking to, about up to this point. Does that make sense to you guys? I think about um, sin and how sin is an affront before God. And thinking about that and, and we think about the mm-hmm. repentance here. So we think yeah. about the regret and the kind of that's explained through the unfeigned contrition, confession, and supplication for mercy. Yeah. We see and understand what sin does to us, what our... What our guilt will lead to if we're left in our sin, uh, pleading for mercy. So, so that kind of that goes goes with that as part of that repentance, understanding 
what uh, what sin does to my relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, and affections play a part in that as well. Yeah. Recognizing what you said, what sin does to me, mm-hmm. and and my affections are grieved that I have grieved this one of the inseparable graces. Yeah. These repentance and faith are inseparable graces. Yeah. Yeah, and so it's kind of like, it's really like our eyes being open to the truth, right? And so repentance and faith, they're, they're kind of two sides of the same coin. Um, our eyes get open to the truth about who we are as sinners and how depraved we truly are in God's sight. And then it's also open to how great God is, how, how wonderful his salvation is, um, and so it's it's like, you know, it's the Matrix. What was it? The red pill and the blue pill? I forget which is which. Um, yeah, red pill takes you down the rabbit hole. Um, yeah, and so it's it's the red pill moment, I guess, um, where you you go down that rabbit hole and suddenly your eyes are open to the truth. Um, and the truth leads you to contrition. It leads you to uh, joy. It leads you to um, thankfulness. Um, yeah. That's, that's what Jesus told Peter: "Is this flesh and blood has not revealed this to you?" Yeah. You know, on the, on the rock of Revelation, I yeah. rebuilt my church. Yeah. Yeah. Peter. Yeah. Yeah. And. Yeah, that's that's good good point. In Matthew 16, we, we see Peter makes a good... He's asking the disciples, who do you say I am? You know, He asks them, well, who does everyone say that I am? And they're like, oh, the prophets or Elijah or different things like that. And he said, well, who do you say I am? And Peter said, uh, you, are, you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus said, the only reason you know that is because my Father revealed it to you. Yeah. Also, I just had to emphasize. I uh, I'm glad that they included the word unfeigned uh, in this uh, in this mm-hmm. section. But it's not just merely going through the motions or being contrite, confessing that kind of thing. Uh, it's you know it is a uh, matter of the heart. Um, yeah. Yeah, and probably the reason they have it in here, if you think about the date when this was written, what was this? 1833. Um, well, there was a kind of a revival going through the Americas at that time called the Second Great Awakening. And the Second Great Awakening was really an emotionally driven methodology that was being used. Um, and it, it, they used what's called the, the anxious bench. Um, and and so they would, uh, I'm trying to remember the, the, pet, the preacher, but anyways, he would have people come forward to the anxious bench, um, and it was all emotionally driven. Um, and so that wording is probably in there on purpose because of the time that they were living in, they were going through uh, something in America at that time, which was the Second Great Awakening, and they were seeing a lot of people who at one time professed faith in Christ at these revivals, and then there wasn't really any true faith. Yeah. Reminds me of when Christ said to Nathaniel that he was without guile. Yeah. Unfeigned is without guile. Yeah. No pretense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, let's... Let's at least get one more in today. <laughs> I was hoping to get through all this today. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, maybe we can. Uh, of God's purpose and grace. We believe that election is the eternal purpose of God according to which he graciously regenerates, sanctifies, and saves sinners, that being perfectly consistent with the free agency of man, it comprehends all the means in connection with the end, 
that it is a most glorious display of God's sovereign goodness, being infinitely free, wise, holy, and unchangeable, that it utterly excludes boasting and promotes humility, love, prayer, praise, trust in God, and active imitation of his free mercy, that it encourages the use of means in the highest degree, that it may be ascertained by its effects in all who truly believe the gospel, that it is the foundation of Christian assurance, and that to ascertain it with regard to ourselves demands and deserves the utmost diligence. It's a mouthful there, right? Um, and basically it's talking kind of it's kind of going over the question that you were asking earlier Wayne about predestination and God's purpose and um, and and so God's purpose for his grace to us um, it yeah it's it's, I mean, I can't, I'd have to re, re, read this just to describe it all. Um, but there's a lot of purposes to God's grace that, that it does within us and to us and for us. Does that make sense? It starts with election. Yeah. It starts with election. Eternal purposes. According to which does that work, regenerates, sanctifies, yeah. and saves sinners. That in itself is huge. Yeah. Election is one of those things that's just a speaks to God's amazing complexity, amazing and wonderful complexity. That, yeah. That it is something fixed, you know, and yet it doesn't violate our free will. Um, you know, that it, yeah. it works perfectly in tandem with mm-hmm. it. But how that exactly works, uh, you know, that's... That's God's domain, and uh, you know, just uh, yeah, it, it it is it is amazing because you know it's <laughs> we're we're dealing with God here, right? Um, and it's it's beyond our comprehension. Um, but but I love some of the things that it that it says in here because it uh, I love the things like it, it excludes boasting, right? Promotes humility. And so when we look at God's salvation, it's, it's nothing of our own doing. And so, you know, we, we can't be arrogant about any of this. Um, I think yeah. about Paul's letter to the Galatians dealing with a couple of issues there. Mm-hmm. I think Paul's letter to the Corinthians dealing with a bunch of issues there going on in the churches. Yeah. It's kind of as a warning for us, too, in thinking about just relying on God and the gospel through all of this and not rely on the wisdom of men. Yeah. And it's kind of oversimplification, but I guess it's kind of kind of thinking through that God has a plan and purpose even in salvation uh, for all, all the parts of the salvation. Yeah. Because it's free, wise, holy, and unchangeable. Yeah. And then utterly, it excludes utterly. There's another yeah. word. Yeah, utterly excludes both things. exception. Yeah. It excludes all these other yeah. Tendencies. Yeah. And, and one thing I think that's cool in here too is is it says that it encourages the use of means in the highest degree. And so we talked about the means of God's salvation earlier, and it and so it's encouraging those things. It's, it encourages us to pray. It encourages us uh, encourages us to share the gospel and and yeah yeah. Um, because we know that God has purposed these things in a certain way. Um, yeah. Any thoughts or questions on this? Otherwise, we'll move on to sanctification. All right, sanctification. We believe that sanctification is a process by which, according to the will of God, we are made partakers of his holiness that it is a progressive work that is begun in regeneration and that it is carried on in the hearts of believers by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit 
the sealer and comforter in the continual use of the appointed 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 means, especially the word of God, self-examination, self-denial, watchfulness, and prayer. They forgot trial. <laughs> trial. Yeah, they, they could have put trial in there too. That's, that's coming next. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, perseverance of the saints. Yeah. Um, but yeah, sanctification. So we, we talked about justification earlier, right? Now we're talking about sanctification. And so when we talk about God's salvation, uh, theologically, we usually break it up into three parts. Um, just, justification, when the Holy Spirit first regenerates you, God sees you as justified. Sanctification is the process that God brings you through making you holy. Does that make sense? I like to look at it as sanctifying, being sanctified causes me to be more like Jesus. Yeah. And I'm conformed into his image. Yeah. Which is the goal. Yeah, and that's the language Paul uses, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and that's what sanctification does. Yeah. And, and it's a progressive work. I like that how they put that. They say mm -hmm. progressive work. And so it's, you don't reach a point in this life where you've attained all things, right? Um, it's, it's progressively the Holy Spirit is working on you continually um, throughout your whole life. The reach enlightenment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and there, there are certain Christian churches out there that believe in a perfectionism. Mm. We do not. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we believe this is an ongoing work of the Holy Spirit and that it will be continued to be done throughout your whole life. Um, and then eventually there will be, when Christ returns, the glorification, that, that third step of the salvation process. That's when perfection comes. Um, but you either have to die or Christ has to return to get there. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, yep, yeah. Any thoughts or questions on sanctification? Yeah, if I'm sanctified all at once, it'd be the death of me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's kind of what it is, right? You're slowly exactly. crucifying your old self, <laughs> and Christ is building you anew. Just one question. Mm -hmm. Sanctification isn't necessarily a straightforward, you know, constantly getting better process, right? I mean, it might be it's, taking two steps forward, one step back. Yeah, it's like a roller coaster, man. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to clarify that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. All right, we... We we probably do need to end. It's we got about seven minutes before the service starts. So let's let's pray, uh, Father. We do thank you for uh, what we're learning today about, particularly about your salvation, and how great it is. And uh, we thank you that it's the work that you do within us, and it's not of ourselves. And we we are so grateful for that because if it was of ourselves, we none of us would be saved. And so we, we need you, we need your, your son, we need your Holy Spirit. Um, so we are so grateful. And just be with us the rest of this morning as we continue to worship you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.